the shot son. Senator Brakey's in right now. He's always taking shots. I'm just kidding. He's never taking shots at anybody. He's like the he's he comes in here and he 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 doesn't make waves. He comes in, tells it how it is. How you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing this morning? You look pretty casual today. You're not all suited up today because you don't have to go to Augusta. You seem pretty relaxed. Yeah. The only person I have to impress is is you today, Matt, and that's pretty easy to do. As so. you know, that does not take much. You just show up and and, and be you at this point. So. Um, now, did you do a lot of partying? Because you finally got this, uh, you finally got the uh, the the concealed carry uh, thing oh, yeah. flying out. And uh, also, I I just want to let you know, I I haven't seen a cowboy or anybody riding <laughs> on a horse. I have not seen any Wild West style theatrics since since this law passed. Well, a couple of things. Well, first of all, I'm not a I'm not a big partier, so my <laughs> idea of partying is, you know, woohoo. <laughs> Um, I'm going to binge watch some X-Files or something, you know, that's, that's, woo, maybe eat some popcorn. It'd be a great time. Well, but it is a, it is a pretty historic, historic moment. The governor signed this bill into law uh, last week. Now, one important thing to know is you wouldn't be seeing any cowboys yet because it doesn't get implemented until 90 days after the legislature's out. So that'll it'll be until at least mid-October that will uh, that'll go into effect. Um, but, you know, it's uh, some people have asked, you know. Is this going to make Maine the the Wild West? And I say yes, absolutely. If if Vermont is the Wild West, uh, then then sure. But you know, Vermont is the west of us. But they are they've had this law for 200 years, and they're the safest state in the nation. Truthfully, I think the only thing that's going to be wild about Maine is going to be our wild blueberries. And when this goes into effect, uh, you know, I really don't think anyone's going to notice. Um, but, you know, there was a really interesting story, actually, I was, uh, thought I might share with you that just came out of to, uh, Topeka, Kansas. Kansas uh, signed constitutional carry into law earlier this year, and just within the last uh, two weeks, it was, um, it was uh, implemented. And already a report came out from a local Topeka, Kansas affiliate about a, uh, a young constitutional carrier who stopped a, a robbery of a store that was going on um some some young young uh young folks were ro- robbing a store got away with some cash and 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 some actually they had stolen some firearms uh from there as well and this this guy who just happened to be in the area happened to be carrying under the new constitutional carry law stopped it from happening the suspects were uh subsequently able to be arrested by the police and and this guy's now is the is the chief uh, witness for it so that's already in topeka can in topeka and in kansas they're already seeing their state become safer as a result of this at least in those particular instances and i think it's it's gonna it's gonna be a success story for them and it's gonna be a success story for us i, I vacationed in vermont this weekend and and I, I felt very safe. Yeah. No, I, I saw no silliness whatsoever. No I mean, cowboys? No, nothing. I, well, I mean, I was at Lake Willoughby, so I, I can't imagine there are a lot of cowboys hanging out up that way anyways. But, uh, yeah, I felt I felt pretty safe. I used to spend most of my summers there anyway. You know, you know you're right. There, there's not a lot. Of, you never hear yeah. a lot about, you know, this, that, or the other there. And it, it constantly ranks right in, in yeah. the lowest uh, in terms of crime rates around the country. Two, so. 200 years, and they're the safest state in the nation with this law. That's how it works. And then, of course, you've got Chicago, which has some of the strictest ones right. out there. How, how do they do well? They're, they're usually pretty There's safe. There's no better comparison to make than between Vermont and Chicago. Chicago with the strictest gun laws in the country, and they're one of the most highest places for violent crime. 
and Vermont with the strongest gun protections, and they are the safest state in the nation. It's weird how that doesn't fit the narrative sometimes. 714, 74 degrees, Senator Brakey is in. We'll be talking a lot this hour about a lot of different things and getting caught up. 714, it's the Breakfast Club Z1055. The new Z1055. New music. New music. Z. The new Z1055. LA's only local radio station. Senator Eric Brakey is in for his monthly visit with us. Casual, a casual affair today, which is nice. So, let's. Uh, we already talked about the uh, the concealed carry uh, law that's uh, going to be going into effect. Last segment. Now we'll we'll talk about welfare stuff because I know that was uh, welfare reform was one of your big uh, campaign uh, issues and hot button issues. Um, how did that go? And it, are we moving in the right direction with reform, or are we still running into walls? Or and I mean that in terms of common sense welfare reform, of course. So in terms of what got done in the legislature this go-around on welfare reform, I'm, I'm sorry to say that there's, there's, there's not a lot of good news. There's a little bit of good news, but there's not <laughs> as much as I would like there to be. Um, chairing the Health and Human Services Committee, we dealt with all the welfare reform proposals. Uh, Republicans on the committee recommended a lot of different welfare reform proposals. Uh, many of those proposals went on to pass the Senate with, bi- with bipartisan support. Republicans and Democrats in the Senate supported it. But when it went to the House, you had just stonewalling from the, the, the Democrat-controlled House um, and the Democrats in the House. Uh, pretty much every single welfare reform bill from prohibiting main welfare dollars from being spent in other states. So as you may remember, there were we've uh, we've found that main welfare dollars are being spent in all 50 states across the country, including transactions on main EBT cards that have been found at places like Disney World, um, Las Vegas, Las Vegas casinos, Hawaii, you know, and it just kind of begs the question, if you can afford to go to Disney World and Las Vegas and Hawaii, do, do you really fit the criteria for, for qualifying for these benefits where you're supposed to be, you know, helping someone through a desperate situation and get back on their feet. Um, but then we've there was also legislation to ban welfare from being spent on alcohol, cigarettes, lottery tickets, ga- you know, a gambling tattoos. Of course, th- that was shot down by Democrats in the House, too, and, and a whole host of other things. I will say there's, there's, there's one piece of silver lining, which is one bill I sponsored, uh, which did get through the House and the Senate. Uh, which essentially what it does is that in the general assistance program, it establishes that when someone is caught uh, cheating the general assistance program, so basically they lie about their situation in order to receive benefits they would not otherwise have received. So they uh, maybe there's another I- uh, income earner in the household that they don't disclose, or they or basically or they uh, say they have a disability that they don't have. Uh, so basically they commit fraud in order to get these benefits. Uh, we did pass a bill through the House and the Senate that would require someone to pay back those benefits or to enter into a payment plan to repay those benefits before they could requalify for general assistance again. Because imagine that, the current situation, you could essentially commit fraud in order to get benefits. Then there's a 120-day waiting period. Then after 120 days... You can just get the. You can just sign up for GA benefits again after you essentially you committed fraud. 
You defrauded the taxpayers. And there's cases where tens of, an individual has defrauded tens of thousands of dollars. And they can just sign up again in 120 days. So thankfully, we did get passed uh, a bill I sponsored, which would, which would say that not only do you have to wait that 120 days, you also have to make repayment of the, the tax dollars that you essentially stole. Is there any update or anything? The one thing that I would feel everyone would agree on would be the, the welfare cliff. You know, mm -hmm. the, where you basically hit to a certain point, you lose all your benefits. So it, it kind of holds some people back from that do want to work, that do want to get out there to kind of hold them back from losing stuff because they do end up losing a lot of benefits if they start working. Is there any, any kind of uh, compromise on that? Is that something that would be moving forward at some point? There was something that was put in the budget, which, you know, I, I, I'll say up front, I had thought this might be a, a place where we could get some real, we could make some real progress on Republicans and Democrats. Uh, there was something put in the budget that sought to address this, but I think it did it in, um, I thought it did it in a pretty poor way. So basically what was put into the budget was, so the governor put forward a proposal that addressed the welfare cliff. So what it essentially does is it extends benefits for individuals who are meeting work, work requirements so that uh, you can disregard a portion of their income for a period of time. So this essentially makes it so that um, essentially makes it so that people aren't penalized as much for for working while receiving benefits, which is a good thing. Uh, but that in itself is an expansion of welfare. It's a it's a positive expansion that it's it's focused on helping people transition off of welfare. But in the governor's bill, there was a a piece of this bill that was uh, that was included in that which was left out, which was very crucial which it scaled back some of the benefits under the Temporary Assistance for Needy's Families program for individuals who are not meeting the federal work requirements. Because the TANF program is a work program, and we actually have millions of dollars of federal fines hanging over our heads because of uh, our lack of compliance with the work requirements in the state. So this was kind of supposed to be a whole package. You, uh, you scale back some of the benefits for people who aren't meeting the work requirements to encourage them you know, under this program to meet those work requirements, and then you expand it for people who are meeting those work requirements. Well, the proposal was kind of uh, that ended up being put into the budget was the Democrat version of it, which all it did was expand the welfare without any of the underlying reforms. And I think that was, I think if you're doing one without the other, I think you're doing it wrong. And I was, so there was something that was put into the budget. The budget was passed. Um, I think some of the huge problems that still exist are going to keep hanging out there including the millions of dollars of federal fines hanging over our heads that are going to cripple some of these programs that are there trying to help people senator eric brakey is in we'll have more with him coming up we'll be talking about the budget and we're going to talk about what he's going to do during his summer vacation i say that with heavy air quotes and a little bit of sarcasm 727 73 degrees it's a breakfast club on z1055 Senator Brakey's in. We're going to go over the X's and O's of the uh, budget that was enacted. I can't really say it was approved, but it was enacted, and then it was overridden, and now it's law. What are some of the things that folks need to know about this budget? Well, obviously this was a, like most budgets are, this was a very hotly contested proposal. 
Uh, a lot of controversy, a lot of disagreement. You know, for me, uh, so here's what happened. The, so the budget was passed by two-thirds of the House and the Senate. Governor vetoed it, came back to the House and Senate, passed, uh, passed and, was um, and went into law with two-thirds of the House and the Senate. Myself, I voted against the budget, both uh, before we sent it to the governor and after we got it back. For me, I, I really respect the process that folks went through to come up with this. I, I understand that we've got divided government and you have a lot of competing interests in there. For me, I just looked at the price tag. Spent, spending was going up, I, I believe it was about a 5% increase in, in spending uh, from where we were in the, in the current budget. And, you know, I, I, one of the things I really campaigned on and I went to Augusta to do was try to shrink the size of government. And I know that we're dealing with divided government. I know that Democrats control the House and Republicans control the Senate. And there's, there's, uh, there's got to be compromise in order to get two-thirds of a proposal that people can agree to. But, geez, when the compromise is that we're just going to spend more money, it's, you know, I think about all the, I think about all the, all the people who are working back at home to, to pay the tax bill to pay for that budget. Um, and I, 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 I couldn't bring myself to do it. So for me, the price tag was, was just too much. Was there anything in there you liked about it? Well, sure. There, there, every, you know, every, uh, every budget is a compromise. And so there are things in there that are good and things that are bad. And you have to kind of look at it on the whole and you have to have to make an evaluation on the whole package. But there's, there are some good things in there. There, there are some real tax cuts in there. Uh, the death tax is is uh, is significantly reduced. There are income tax cuts in there. Um, there are some there are some really good th there are some really positive things in there. Uh, but for me, taxes are kind of on the. Uh, for me, I prioritize spending over taxes. So, uh, you can't really cut taxes unless you're cutting spending. Otherwise, you're kind of sh there's a lot of shifting things around. So I think oftentimes we do get very focused on on cutting taxes or cutting this tax and shifting things over to that tax and you know kind of shuffling things around. When really, if we're not talking about ways to control spending and cut spending and look at maybe programs that aren't working and and, and cut those out of the budget, um, find and find efficiencies within good programs. Uh, like we've tried to do on some of these welfare programs. Uh, if you're not doing that, if you're not controlling spending, then tinkering around the edges with, with taxes is 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 helpful, but it's a it's a secondary consideration for me. Senator Brakey is in. Coming up, we're going to find out what he's going to do with this time out of Augusta this summer. It's 742. It's 73 degrees. It's The Breakfast Club on Z1055. The Breakfast Club! Oxford Networks. Five. LA's only local radio station. Senator Brakey's in for his final segment. What do you what are you planning to do with all this time out of Augusta? What's the what's the plan? Well, I'm 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 grateful to have a uh, a six month reprieve from uh, from the cesspool of politics in Augusta. Um, though we do have to go back on the 16th for one final veto day to handle some of the vetoes that are are coming to us. But you know, it's the work doesn't really end. Uh, while uh, I won't 
be up in Augusta uh, on a daily basis and, until we get back in, in January. Uh, I'm still going to be, I'm, I'm grateful that I'm going to have the opportunity to be more in the community working with constituents. Uh, if folks have, um, I'm going to be doing a lot of focus on constituent services. So if folks have any problems that they're having with the state government, uh, please feel free. If you're my constituent, you live in Auburn, New Gloucester, Poland, Minor, or Mechanic Falls, please feel free to contact me anytime. Easiest ways to grab me are you can always look me up on Facebook or Google me. If, um, call, email, Facebook, whatever works for you. I'm always happy to hear from you. Uh, I'm hoping to have an opportunity to get back into doing some of the stuff I I, I, I love doing in the community. I've, I've been very involved in the past with Community Little Theater, and my understanding is they've got auditions coming up for the Adams Family, so I'm going <laughs> to see if that fits in my calendar. Uh, hope to be able to jump back into that. But I'm also really looking forward to... Uh, having some time to weigh in and, and help out with uh, presidential politics a little bit. Uh, that's um, what originally got me in, into, uh, into, in, into politics in the first place. And I'll tell you, looking at this Republican field, I think it's, it's 15 people announced now. You remember that time that everyone in California ran for governor? Hey, I'm still upset that uh, Gary Coleman didn't win it. I'm still, I'm still pretty bummed about that. Oh, I'm just thinking it's starting to look like that again. All we need is a reality TV star. Oh, wait a minute. You got one. We got one. Yes. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, I was really, uh, I, I was really proud the other week to be able to formally endorse uh, Kentucky Senator Rand Paul for president. I'm a big fan of his. I think that when, um, you know, like I, like I said on the budget, and like I've. For me, the thing that really got me involved in politics to begin with in the first place was as a young person looking at the huge federal debts that are piling up on my generation and the generations to come after us and and seeing that day after day the federal government can't get spending under control. They just keep piling it on and leaving it for this, this huge mess for future generations to, 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 uh, to figure out what to do with. We have a huge spending problem. And of the 15 candidates that are announced, and even of the countless additional candidates who are talked about or rumored, Rand Paul is really the only candidate who has seriously taken steps on the spending problem in, in Washington, D.C. Uh, for the last three years, he has proposed his own budget that cuts $4 trillion out of, the, out of, of federal spending. It balances in five years. It's by far the most fiscally conservative uh, budget proposal we've seen in Washington, D.C., maybe ever. And I think there are a lot of candidates who talk about cutting spending in a general sense, talk about fiscal conservatism in a general sense. But when it comes to actually putting pen to paper, they don't really have any ideas to show us. Anyone can talk about it, but what are you actually going to do? And Rand Paul's the only person who really has done that. Plus, when you add to it his um, his general election uh, prospects, when he's the only candidate, when you uh, put him up against Hillary Clinton in the polls, who wins key swing states like Pennsylvania, Ohio, Colorado, Iowa, New Hampshire. I mean, these are states that went for Barack Obama two, two times in a row. And Rand Paul has real appeal with independents and young people. And has, with his work in uh, criminal justice reform, also does a lot of outreach into the minority community. Uh, he, he's not only is he a, a strong fiscal conservative, which I think we need if we're going to get the country on the right track, uh, but he's also a strong fiscal conservative with huge appeal to demographics that the Republican Party needs. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. And 
Uh, I'm really proud to be supporting Rand Paul for president. I'm looking forward to doing everything I can to help make sure when we get to the uh, to help him become our next president. We got to get him to sell out the Civic Center next. That's the new thing. <laughs> that's the new benchmark. Hey, get Bernie, to sell the Civic Center. Bernie Sanders could do it. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's how that's how it works. Oh goodness, Senator Eric Brakey, Senator, go enjoy the rest of your summer vacation. We'll see you next month. Oh, this is going to be the most work I ever done on a vacation. So. <laughs> It's a working vacation. Oh, yeah, all right. It's, fine. It's, it's, thank, it's all right. Thank you for having me on, Matt. It's good to have you on as always. Scott Gagne is in next hour. It's 754, 73 degrees. It's the Breakfast Club Z1055. The Breakfast Club. This is your sports flash for Monday, July.